Let's pray together. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him like nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Fathers, I want to thank you for the season and the time that we are in. We look to you, God. I pray for encouragement and for strength for each of the members who are in their homes right now. I pray, God, that your presence will fall heavily as we prepare ourselves to hear your message. I pray for those who are not members, but for those who somehow are able to see the message and hear the message. I pray, God, that you speak to them, O Lord. Speak to us. For, God, we are your children, and we desire to hear your voice. Speak to us the words of life so that we may be fed and fed to the full. For there are leftovers, God. For you do not only give us only what we need, but you give us an abundance of overflow where we have leftovers, O Lord. So God, feed us today with your word. Speak to us, God, for we are hungry and desperate to hear your voice. And I pray, God, that as we transition to the message, that, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, for, God, you'll be pleased with them, O Lord. For you are my rock and my redeemer. Let my words be spoken with humility from the overflow, from the conviction and the heart that you have given me, O Lord. Speak to your church, especially during this time. We need to hear your voice, O God. If your presence is not here with us, God, everything we do, God, is in vain, O Lord. So speak to us, for God, we desire to hear your voice. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, let's take a moment to greet our neighbors. Uh, so if you could take your phone and message your best friend at church at this time. So in January, earlier this year, our 2020 vision, the word was steadfast. And that's also when we began our Philippians series, our study on the book of Philippians. Now, steadfast was the word for the vision of this year, 2020. And Philippians was the book that we meditated and that we've been studying on uh, earlier this year. And then we had our Lent. We did two chapters. So in, in the beginning, before Easter, we had chapter one, chapter two, and we finished. And then we had our Lent series. And now, after Easter, we'll be resu- we're resuming now, going from chapter 3 to chapter 4. Philippians has a total of four chapters. I intentionally divide into two parts, chapter 1, chapter 2, before Easter, and now chapter 3, chapter 4, which we are going to be doing from now on. So today, finally, 
we'll resume and part two of our Philippians series, which will be chapter three and chapter four, will begin today. So our main passage today is found in Philippians chapter three. If you could turn with me to Philippians chapter three, it's found in verse one through verse 14. Again, the title is called, What is Your Reason for Confidence? Let's turn to our neighbor and say, What is your reason? For confidence. So in the title within chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, No confidence in the flesh. And it says this. Paul is speaking here. He says in verse 1, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We will serve God by his spirit who boasts in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. Turn to your neighbor and say confidence. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. I have three points for us, beginning with point number one. Again, this is all tied with the title, What is Your Reason for Confidence? In the beginning, Paul, he reminds us, and number one, it says this, in trials, rejoice on. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, in trials, rejoice on. Focusing on verse one and two, let's take a look real quick. It says this, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, rejoice? Remember our Wednesday lesson, Wednesday lesson that we did this past week about having joy before God. That joy, it comes being rooted in Christ. But happiness is based on our happenings, on our situations. It is temporary. When we live our lives in happiness, we understand that we will, be, we will have heartaches because we know that happiness doesn't fulfill the emptiness that we have inside. Only true joy, joy can keep us going no matter what situations, no matter what circumstances that we are going through, even during this pandemic time. So again, 
Paul says, further my brothers and sisters. He says, rejoice. In who? In the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. So who are the dogs here that Paul is talking about here? He's, talking, he's speaking on in verse, in verse 2. Dogs here are Judaizers. Judaizers are Christians who still believe that they, they implemented Jewish practices. They believed in circumcision. That without following the law of Moses, that you are not a true Christian. They taught that work was above grace. Those are the dogs that Paul is talking about, the Judaizers. Christians who focuses on legalism, on work, on allowing their work to be the, the driving means to their salvation. These evildoers, which are the dogs that Paul is talking about, they brought trials to Christians. They brought hardship to genuine Christians, distorting the truth. They distorted their confidence in Jesus Christ. As Christians, our confidence is in who? Is in Jesus Christ through the grace that was given to us, through the faith, through the free gift of salvation that we have in Christ. But these dogs that Paul is talking about here, these evildoers are bringing trials to genuine Christians, distorting their confidence in the work of the cross, that somehow you need to work for it. These Judaizers, they believe that their works were somehow would bring them closer to God. They hated and they judged and they criticized those who did not uphold the law, such as circumcision rather than grace. They thought something that was done in the flesh would earn their way to salvation. They invested their whole lives into thinking that they had to earn their salvation. That's why after the cross, after the resurrection, which we just had, Easter, the truth we have the truth that we no longer are saved by law or by works, but it's only by Jesus Christ. Their bubbles had burst, and it was difficult for them to accept the truth. They chose to live in blind and in ignorance. It's kind of like the movie Matrix or with the movie Wally, with the whole people, they're all out of shape, and, and they realized they depended their whole lives on machines and on things to make them obese. Their mindset was all backwards, that it was not by cross. They thought it was done in the flesh, that their flesh would save them. And we realized that we cannot live in blindness and in ignorance, thinking that our works will somehow attain us to eternity in heaven. Everything that we do is an overflow from the free grace that we have received in Christ. And here's the truth in trials, the truth in trials. The truth is this, it's always this, it's found in John chapter 3 verse 30 and says, where he says, he must become greater and I must become less. It's God becoming greater in my life and then in response to him becoming my everything, I become less. This is how we rejoice on. In trials we rejoice in this way. It is not, it is not this, I must become less by doing more work or being more humble. I must become less with my works. I must, I must do more with my works and my accomplish. And then, God, you will become greater in my life. It doesn't work that way. It is God, you become great. 
God becomes great in my life, he must become great, my everything, then I become less in the process, in that process. That's the final work of the cross. I become less. God must become big. He must become my everything. He must become your everything. Your soul, your soul meaning nefesh, your soul, your being, your whole being to the core of all that I am, who I am as a person, as a Christian, as a child of God. And in that process, the final work of the cross, it transforms us and we become humble and we become less. And that's how we rejoice. And that, that mindset doesn't mean, you know, I do whatever I want, I do what I please, I do what I want to do, and we throw out, throw the law out the window. But remember, Christianity is always a coin. It's the flip side of the coin. It's about having a balanced life. Yes, we are saved by grace, but also through grace, through the overflow of the love and the free salvation that we receive, out of the overflow of the love that we receive from God, the agape love of God, in turn, we, we breathe out grace and love. And within that, we have a healthy balance. We have a healthy balance of living a Christian life. It's about having a passion with zeal, with balance, or else we will become like the dogs here mentioned in verse 2, the danger of heresy. You must have a healthy balanced Christian life. That's why in Ephesians, a lot of people quote Ephesians chapter 2, and they focus on verse 8 and 9, and they kind of leave it there because it says it is by grace, right? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Everybody loves that passage. Because it's by grace I've been saved through faith. It's not from me. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, and they leave it there. But a lot of people, they forget verse 10. It's about having a balance, the full picture. And verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork. In other translations, it says we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works action which God prepared in advance for us to do. And in Matthew 25 we're reminded the sheep and the goats, the difference are those who love with action versus those who pretend being there for the least of these, for our fellow brothers and sisters doing it from the overflow of the heart. So again, in trials, rejoice on Remember that your good works cannot satisfy God. Only faith in Christ, only the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ can save you. Only then can we be saved and can we truly do the right work before him. Your good works cannot satisfy God, but God will reward you according to your genuine response to the free grace that you have received that was bestowed on you through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the righteousness that comes, that comes from him. The breastplate of righteousness that comes from him. Not my own, not my own righteousness, not my own works. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He was sinless, faultless, the perfect sacrifice. Once and for all, it's done. So that in him, 
we might become the righteousness of God. So we remember that in trials, we rejoice on. That's the confidence that we have in the Lord. That even in trials, you rejoice in Him. I've shared this story where we were at the airport. One of our members got some of their our equipment taken away. And I had to talk with one of the person who worked there. After we got into the security and, and everything, we were already in, t- in the gate. And then I talked with them, and she had a, a pass. And she said, no problem, come with me. I remember I was following her, and I shared this story how cool I felt because literally I, the line was very long, and I got to cut through everyone. And because of our pass, I was able to enter these places, and then we were able to retrieve our equipment back. And even on the way back, I was thinking, maybe she'll leave me. If she left me, then I would have to go through the whole process of security again and go through the gate. And, but she was like, follow me. And then we just went straight cutting everyone. She just shows the pass, and we were able to get back into the gate safely back with the team. And that is what righteousness looks like. It's not by my own works. We cannot attain heaven. We cannot attain eternity with him by my own works, but only by the cross of Jesus Christ. We look to him. That's the confidence we have, that in trials, we rejoice on. In trials, rejoice on. That's the confidence that we have. Even when there are dogs, evildoers, who, who speak on, on those who, the mutilators of the flesh, those who, who promote this kind of teaching, prosperity, or, or the work, the gospel, or just only grace gospel where there's no work, faith, just, just have faith only, no works, no deeds, but just, or just do deeds and work and no faith whatsoever. Attain your salvation. When we are attacked and we're given these different mindsets, these teachings that come all around us, left and right, speaking to us, we have confidence in the Lord. We find it here in Philippians chapter 3. Only in two verses, verse 1 and 2, we remember that in trials, you're able to rejoice on. So please turn to your neighbor and say, rejoice. 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 In trials, rejoice on. Amen. Going to point number two. Again, this is all tied in with our title. What is your reason for confidence? What is your reason for confidence? And number two is this. In confidence, Christ only. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, in confidence, in confidence. Christ, only. Christ only. This point is going to be the core section of the message. So if you were to think about workout, and if you like to work out, some people, they focus only on their arms or their legs. And again, the legs are important. The arms are important. The back, everything is important. But the core is the most important, the core of your body, because that's what keeps everything together. So this point number two is going to be the core section of this message. And and then it says, again, in confidence, Christ only. This is the core section of the message. So my question is, is your confidence in your resume, in your experiences, in yourself, that's what I'm asking, or is your confidence in Jesus Christ? Again, is your confidence in your resume your past experiences, your accomplishments, in yourself, in the works that you have done, or in Jesus Christ. 
Let's take a look at how Paul tackles this question. Starting from verse 3 to 5, it says this. In verse 3, it says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast. Turn to your neighbor and say, boast. Boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. There you go. Paul gives you the answer. He says, my confidence is not in myself, but in who? I boast in Christ. It's in Christ. That's what he's saying. Verse 4, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He's talking about his earthly confidence, his resume. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, he's saying, I have more. In verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's like Ronnie saying, the Chinese among the Chinese, right? The Korean among the Koreans. Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law. A Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He's giving his earthly resume. He's saying, I am perfect by the law. By earthly standard, I have even more reasons to boast in. And then let's take a look at verse 7. Verse 7 to 10. It says this, but whatever were gains to me, whatever were gains to me, and these are fake gains, earthly gains. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Turn to your neighbor and say loss. loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He's lost all things. None of them can compare from the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. I consider them garbage. Can you turn to your neighbor and say garbage? garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which we talked about in point number one, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And this was a passage in verse 10 and verse 11. We talked about this during Lent, during our season of Lent, to know him, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings, becoming like Jesus Christ in his death and attaining the resurrection from the dead. Let me just continue on and talk about Paul's resume. It's not just found here in Philippians chapter 3. It's found also in Galatians. It's found in Corinthians. And in Galatians chapter 1, just to be specific, verse 13 to 24, Paul goes and he says this, For you have heard of my previous way of life, in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
He's saying, look, I used to be a gangster. Do you not remember? I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. He's talking about the law. But when God, who sent me apart from my mother's womb, again, the mother's womb, reminding us Psalm 139, and called me by his grace, was pleased, for he knew us while we were in our mother's womb, to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Gentiles are non-Jews. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Cephas' Peter, and stay with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria, Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who firmly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Galatians 1, 13-24. He's talking about his resume. And then it goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, specifically verse 21 to 31. He says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. He's saying, I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. That God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Literally, it's like a scene from a movie where people try to show off their scars and their pain and their uh, the broken bone or the surgeries that they had. I have this, I have that. And then Paul comes in the picture and he like destroys everyone. He literally goes and he makes a list and he's very specific. I've been in the city, the countryside, the sea. I've been flocked. I've been hated not just by the Jews, but even Gentiles, non-believers. He goes on and on to talk about his story. And we know the story of Acts the story of Paul in Acts chapter 9, his testimony. 
on the road to Damascus, how Jesus Christ gives him his purpose, a new life and purpose. And when God called Paul, it was not based on his credentials. It was not based on his resume, for he was not qualified. He used to persecute the Christians in the church. He was actually there when the first martyr, Stephen, was stoned. Based on his credentials, he would not be qualified. But rather, it's a reminder that it is by grace. That you and I, we are qualified simply by grace, not because of who I am or what I've done or my earthly resumes. The salvation, it comes by faith alone. And the work comes from the overflow of the salvation that I have in Jesus Christ. And this faith that we have today, this faith must be yours and yours alone. That is it. No one can walk this faith, walk your faith for you in your shoes. You must bear the cross as Simon did as he picked up the cross for Jesus. You have to bear the cross for your own life. You are responsible for the decisions of your life, the decisions that you make, only you, to follow Christ or to not follow Christ. It comes down to that. You must take responsibility. You cannot hide in the shadow of your father, in the shadow of your mother, in the shadow of your church or your pastor. You must pick up the cross and follow him daily, every day, every day. That's what we are called to do. The question is, are you picking up the cross and following him daily? In confidence, is it Christ only or is it me only? I'm confident in myself, in my resume, in my accomplishments. I remember a while back when we were part of a uh, serving at a church, and I saw a senior pastor's son, and he was going around. I remember he was bullying one kid, uh, and he was saying, like, do you know who my father is? You know, I could get you kicked out of the church. I'm going to kick you out of the church. My father is going to kick your dad or your mom out of church. And he was just, like, acting all big. And then I heard it, and I was like, wait, what? I was like, what did you say, young man? Uh, and I was like, you think you're so tough? Let's do some push-ups. And we did push-ups together. And, and, and never again, right? I, I was just, just trying to teach him that you cannot treat people in that manner, no matter what or your position is, no matter whose son you are. Because at the end of the day, we, are, we all, all of us are children of God. And we must take ownership. We cannot hide and depend on the faith of your mom, your dad, your credentials, your resume, your experiences and accomplishments. And for those who have, who's have, we've been, been missions together, who have been on missions with me together, you understand that every year, every year I tell you guys that you need to come with passion and zeal and you need to give your best every year. This past year, or well, this year, we were not able to go on missions because uh, we made a decision as a church that we were going to save, especially this year. 2020 is a very important year with the vision steadfast. 
with the location of our church, and we decided before this whole pandemic and this whole corona thing happened, we decided that we were going to maybe take a break from this year's mission, and then this whole pandemic happened. So next year, if by God's grace, uh, if we're able to go, it will mark my 30-plus mission trips that I've been and that I've had the opportunity to go and attend uh, in my life. Even though I'm relatively young, I had the experience to be able to go on all these mission trips with different organizations to learn the ropes and how missions are done, especially overseas in different countries and different areas. And each year as I do missions, I treat it as if it's my first. And those who have gone on missions with me, you guys know what I'm talking about. We give and we give our best. Every year we do it with humility and we give our everything, especially every, even if we go to the same country, same location, we treat it as if this is our first time doing it. It's like when we go and we do minds and we do performances, when we do preaching, even for us, it's something that is repetitive that we do it all the time. Some of us, we run up missions two, two times, three times, four times, six times. And some people, by the seventh time, they think they're experts. They start taking everything light. Their pride starts creeping in. They say things like, oh, I am experienced, my resume, my credentials. But we must not have allow pride or, or those kind of thoughts to creep into our hearts. Every year we must treat it with passion and zeal and with purpose, knowing that it is for Christ. That is why we're doing it. And for those who have been on missions with me, you know that I am the first one to wake up and I'm also the last one to go to sleep. Every year I treat it even more with passion and with focus. Every year it becomes sharper. And as you guys know, when you do missions together, when we do missions together, as a pastor, I don't get my own special room. I don't get my own special treatment. I refuse it, actually. I sleep with the team. I sleep with the guys. You know, I eat the same food as a team. We eat the same food as the locals, and we get down, and we get local. Not local, crazy. Local. And I remember growing up, I learned at a young age where... Uh, I started going when I was in eighth grade, and as each year went on, it just got more comfortable, and the hotel number, the star, got higher and higher until we started staying at like four-star hotels, and we would visit these villages just for like a second, drop gifts, and then we would go back to our rooms, and, and that's when compromise started to come in. But each year, uh, our sleeping quarters and the way we do missions, we do it with humility. And we do it with passion. And that's what Paul is saying here. By law, I can boast all the more. I am perfect by law. But I choose. I choose to forsake all of them. I consider them garbage, all loss. Comparing to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ, it is nothing. It is nothing when it compares to our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, can we boast not in ourselves, not in ourselves, but in the name of Jesus Christ? Remembering and reminding ourselves that no amount of work or resume or discipline will make us right with God. 
to remember that in confidence, that confidence isn't from me, isn't in myself or in my experiences or my earthly resume, but it is in Christ and Christ alone. No amount of work, no amount of discipline will make you right with God. So the question is, are you laser beamed, focused as athletes are during their competition or their championship match? Or are you distracted? In and out of season, lost to your past mistakes or to your past accomplishments. Maybe you are lost in your past guilt or you are proud in your past accomplishments, in your earthly resume. Paul knew of his evil past, but that didn't stop him from walking forward in grace. Reading one more time, verse 3 to 5, 7 to 10. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law of faultless. Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Do you consider all your past accomplishments, all your past mistakes, do you consider them garbage? Do you consider them garbage? If you don't, you will not gain Christ. If you're still holding on to your titles, your diplomas, your earthly resume, then we will not gain Christ. For you will gain the whole world. And you will lose Christ. And therefore we will lose our lives. Verse 9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, I want to know Christ, and I pray that this will be our prayer. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. In confidence, Christ only. Can we again turn to our neighbor and say, in confidence, Christ only. And last point number three is this. Again, remembering our title, what is your reason for confidence? Number three, imperfection. Press on. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, imperfection? imperfection. Press, on. Press on. Remember, perfection does not mean that you never make mistakes. It's, it's about making mistakes, but getting back up quickly. That's why in Proverbs 24, verse 16, it says, Though a righteous man... An individual falls seven times, they rise again. 
That number seven, as I mentioned before, it means perfect. You will perfectly fall. You will always fall, but you rise again. Why? Because you are a righteous individual. Why are you righteous? Not, you're not righteous because of your own works, because you are somehow special and different, and then you are somehow better than others, but you are righteous through the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. So though a righteous man falls seven times, though the righteous fall seven times, he or she they rise again. Proverbs 24, 16. Struck down, but not destroyed. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, 9. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 34. It is the Lord that picks us back up. It is us where we make the decision to get right back up with the conviction from the Holy Spirit. Not by my own strength, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. So let's look at verse 12 to 14. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. This is our last point. And within verse 12 to 14, I'm going to have three different subtitles, letter A, B, and C. But before I go ahead and do the subpoints, let's go ahead and refresh on verse 12 to 14. Okay, I'm going to divide it by verse by verse. So verse 12, I'm going to go ahead and read. It says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that, for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and read that on your own just one more time so that it doesn't go from one year to the other. Let's look at verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Please take a moment to read. And then let's go to our last verse, verse 14. It says this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Please take a moment to read verse 14. Do you know that you are winners in Christ? You need to have a winning mentality because you are grounded in Christ. How is it that people of the world have more confidence in who they are than us when we find our identity, when we know who we are in Christ? How dare we defame the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? We need to have the attitude like Paul. I press on toward the goal. To what? To lose? No, to win. To win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
So to divide that into three parts, letter A, focusing on verse 12, letter A is this, never be content. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, never Never. be Be. content Content. in where you are right now in your spiritual walk with God. That's what I'm saying. Do not be satisfied where you are in your spiritual walk with God right now. If you are content, you're like a puddle with no source of flowing water. Eventually, what happens to a puddle of water? All the bacteria, all the germs, all everything, it gets collected. The best way to wash is with the flowing water, right? Bath, it's like taking a bath. That's why I don't take baths. You're just sitting in your own filth. The shower is good. The water constantly comes. It washes away all my dirtiness. And even when you have made it, you press on. When you feel like you have made it, you press on. Never be content. That's why it says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this. Paul is saying, I have already obtained. I have more than I need. I've done way more. I have more grace, more everything. What does he say? Or have already arrived at my goal. I have already arrived. What does he say? But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And the key phrase here is I press on. Turn to your neighbor and say press on. Press on on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Letter A, never be content. Letter B, forget all your past medals. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, forget Forget. your past medals. Forget all your past medals. Forget your medals. And this ties closely with our point number two, what, what I said earlier, our main point number two. It says, in confidence, in your confidence, Christ only. That's why in my office, I mean, not that I do it on purpose or I really don't care. I don't have my diplomas up on the wall or like where I graduated or what I did. or I mean, really, it's like in a bookshelf, like literally hidden. And for me, I, have, I don't care. Like my ordination thing and doesn't matter. Uh, just never had the desire. Not, I'm not hating on anyone who has that up on the thing. Sometimes we need to know the credentials. But it's about forgetting all your past mistakes, your accomplishments, your medals that you received. Because those things will not allow you to go into eternity with Christ. All your past medals, all that is garbage. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Are you forgetting everything from that happened in the past? Are you forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead? Are you? Are you straining forward? Forget your past medals. And last whole point, with point number three, imperfection press on. Letter C is this. Pursue your dreams heavenward. Turn to your neighbor and say, pursue, pursue. your dreams, your dreams. Heavenward. heavenward. Heavenward means upward. Look to God. 
Not like Saul, where he was head taller than everyone else. He looked down on each individual. But when we were smaller, we look heavenward, we look up, we have humility. We know that everything comes from the giver, not the gifts. We don't focus on the gifts, but we focus on the giver. So that's why we live this life, pursuing our dreams. Heavenward, not inward, not for me, not living myself, not putting myself first, but focusing on Christ. I'm talking about God's purpose for your life. Not my dreams or my purpose, what I want for myself. You pursue your dreams. And when I say your dreams, I'm talking about the dream that has been given from God. We pursue it for his glory. Upwards, heavenward. Pursue it upwards. Pursue your dreams, heavenward. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Where? Heavenward. Can you turn to your neighbor and say heavenward? Heavenward. In Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm closing with this. On my phone, I have this picture, and it's also in my cacao as well. And it's a picture that I put intentionally because it's a reminder for me that when I look at this image, it's a reminder of me. And this picture is divided into two parts. There's the top part, and then there's the bottom part. And there's three different parts that's, that's, that's told within the story. And within the first part of the story, it's divided into three parts. It's about a young boy. And it says in the first part that when life knocks you down, it's about, it's about a boy who gets knocked down. It says, get up. And then the third part says, turn back to God. And in the second picture on the bottom, it says, when life puts you in higher position, and it's about a picture of a boy getting a crown, a trophy. When life puts you in higher position, the second picture is knee down. It's a little boy on his knees praying. And then the third part, it says, and turn back to God. So it means... That even when life brings you down, even when life puts you in higher position, that we get up and we knee down. And ultimately in the end, we turn back to God as the prodigal son. I pray that we will learn that our confidence is not found in our flesh. That we as a church, that we will have no confidence in our flesh. But our confidence will be found in Jesus Christ. As Paul did, that I consider them garbage, a loss, compared to the surpassing knowledge of my Lord Jesus Christ. Remembering that it is God that gives and takes away. Remembering like Job, naked I came from my mother's room, and naked I will depart. That we cannot enter heaven with all our accomplishments with our U-Haul truck with the diplomas and our degrees and our experiences and as Job said the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised as it says on Job 1.21 humility though he slay me yet I will hope in him Yet I will hope in him. 
Can we close our eyes at this time? Again, the title, the message, what is your reason for confidence? Are you finding your confidence in yourself, in this world? In the things that you have, in your accomplishments, in the shadow of your mom, in the shadow of your father, in the shadow of your church, in the shadow of your pastor? Is your confidence truly found in the Lord? Even when you are found with nothing, even when everything is taken away, will you go down and knee down and worship Him and pursue Him and worship Him only? Will you follow the crowd and do what everyone else is doing? Leave the faith. Walk away from the faith to pursue your own dreams, to pursue your own life. When life knocks you down, Get up. Turn back to God. For that is the only way. When life puts you in higher position, knee down and turn back to God. For He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Rejoice. Fight on, young soldier. Fight on, man and woman of God. Don't give up on the faith. Consider everything. All the past accomplishments. Garbage. Garbage. Nothing. Compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. For whose sake we have lost all things. Going back to the passage with our eyes closed. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. At this time, I want to invite you to go ahead and to pray and to have a moment to reflect upon the message, upon the word today. What is your reason for confidence? Is your confidence found in the flesh? Is your confidence found in yourself? Even at your highest peak, your dreams can be shattered. And what will you do when everything that you've been depending on and who you are and who you're in yourself is taken away? Only Christ. Only Christ. Only Christ matters. He's all that matters. He's calling out to you. Let's pray together. All of our dreams can be destroyed in an instant, even when you're at the highest of highs. The greatest triumph that we can have is to trust God 
and trust our lives in the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. For all our dreams can be shattered in an instant, even when we are at the highest of highs. Let us look to Christ. Remember the words of Paul, that whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. Can you place your right hand to your heart? I say garbage. Garbage. It's all garbage. If you do not gain Christ, it's all garbage. Christ is not the center, it's all garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Please repeat after me with our hands to our heart. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. In his death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Father, we look to you. Whatever were gains to me, I consider them loss for the sake of you, Lord, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Everything I consider garbage, a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, my King, for whose sake I have lost all things. It's all garbage, Lord. It's all garbage. If I don't gain you, help us to gain you, to gain you, O God, and to know you in your death and in your resurrection, to know the power of your resurrection, to participate with you in your sufferings. We love you. Lent, Easter, is not just a 40-day season, but Lord, it's beyond that. It's our whole lives. It's where we seek your face. One life, one chance, oh Lord. One life, one chance. Let us live for you. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen.